What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Basketball podcast. As always, I'm your host, Vic Lopez, and I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode, which was with the Broward Legacy uh, Travel Basketball Program. Obviously, I spoke with George Paris, who is a player for the program, Coach Carlos as well for the basketball program. We had a mini NBA draft. We discussed our favorite players, Mount Rushmore. We had uh, our top five you know, players of all time as well. It was a fun pod. It was a fun episode. If you actually want to watch the video, uh, I'm going to drop the video in the prior episode in the show notes for that episode. Uh, I'll also have the the video uh, link in this episode since I failed to put it on the last one because the video wasn't up by the time the pod was out. Um, now, just for the future for you guys to know as well, um, the YouTube channel is... My plan for the YouTube channel is separate content. You know, it could be some reaction videos, uh, some breakdowns of some games, maybe some plays, some player breakdowns, you know, more of like uh, a different uh, content than you're getting from this podcast, just to kind of keep the material fresh as well. And just like different avenues, if you guys want to get different content from me. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to keep the, I'm going to put the link on every podcast episode from this point on so that you guys can never miss the link uh, to the YouTube channel. You know, that's always going to be in the show notes. But anyways, uh, this episode is going to be more of about the growth of basketball around the world, some opinions I have about some of the national teams, what I think about the Los Angeles Lakers trade for Patrick Beverly. But yeah, let's get right into it. So I want to start this episode uh, with obviously the main topic of what I wanted to talk about, um, international basketball, right? And just the influence that the NBA has had on the rest of the world, right? For basketball as a whole. And, you know, I really thought this would be a good episode uh, because I do have some interesting things that maybe you've heard, uh, maybe you've already seen. But I do think it is important, especially um, if you think this is coming kind of out of left field, like just like a random um, thought of mine. It's mainly because of the basketball that's going on right now, right? The Euro basketball action, the playoffs already started this weekend. It was the round of 16. Um, you know, Luka Doncic is doing his thing. Rudy Gobert is doing his thing. You know, we got some others, right? Um, obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, you know, just we're just we're seeing a lot of international basketball action, right? Um, and I just want to just obviously start with how amazing it really is to see how much the game of basketball has grown to the point where I want to get into the most compelling uh, reason that I wanted to bring this up. You know, and to me, it's it's the All NBA selections in NBA history. Right, I did some digging. Okay, I did some digging, and apparently, um, in 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 the eighties, right, more more specifically, I believe it was eight, uh, 1986, Right, Hakeem Olajuwon becomes the first international player to make a first team All NBA. Obviously, was was a big deal. Still is a big deal to this day. You know, uh, we kind of skip some years. Right after he has his reign, obviously, we skip forward to the only other players that appeared that were international that got back to first team all nba 
was in 2005, right? So, and that was Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki, right? Obviously, Steve Nash being Canadian and Dirk Nowitzki being German, um, you know, those two guys uh, were the next appearance of international players on a first team All-NBA. But before I get ahead of myself on that part of this episode, I just want to say, you know, uh, non-NBA basketball, more than ever before, is so much more watchable, right? Like, like you can really watch a lot of these international basketball games and actually be entertained. You know, more than ever before. You know, we've always had uh, great international basketball players. You know, even players that never came to the NBA, we've had a lot of great international players uh, that play for their countries, that never, that never come to the United States, right, to play in the NBA. And obviously, but I'm talking about the international players that become just superstars and transcending franchises, right? Like we have a lot of those guys now, you know, to the point where let's, uh, let me give you guys a little tidbit. Okay. A little piece here. Um, I was doing some digging on first team, all NBA selections. Okay. Now 2017 was LeBron, KD, Anthony Davis, James Harden, and Damian Lillard. That was the last time that we didn't see at least one international player on a first team All-NBA. Not only one, but two international players on a first team All-NBA selection. So the very next year in 2018, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Nikola Jokic make the first team All-NBA. That's 2018. So let's go to the next year. 2019, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Luka Doncic make that first team All-NBA, okay? So that's back-to-back, two international players make the first team. You can already see the trend. You know, you're starting to say, well, at this point, we're probably going to be seeing two, you know, secured, right? Like just, right, you you can lock those names in. At least two names are going to be on these first team All-NBAs for a long time, and that's Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now let's go to the next year in 2020. This was a historic moment in NBA in, in the NBA, right? Uh, there have never been three international players on a first team All NBA. Obviously, I'm talking about. Uh, let's name the list. This was 2020. Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Nikola Jokic, and Luka Doncic. Right. The other two guys were Steph Curry and Kawhi Leonard. But Luka, Nikola Jokic, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Just do something historic. There have never been three international players on an, on a first team all nba and you know the majority of the ballot was international players that's huge you know it's crazy um and then last year you know Giannis, luka and nikola jokic again on the first team all nba so you know we're seeing by the way i don't like seeing devin booker on this list i, I don't care uh what anyone says Yes, Booker had an amazing year. I understand that. But that's this is less about Devin Booker and more about my point. I feel like first team All-NBA has been, uh, you need two guards, a center, and two forwards, right? Why can't we just get the five best players of the season? Because when you see Devin Booker on this list, it really diminishes the list, in my opinion, because there is no way that if we had uh, the best five, regardless of position, there's no way Devin Booker makes this list. 
if we're talking about no positions, just the five all-NBA first-team selections. Uh, we're not going to see Devin Booker on this, and we won't see Jason Tatum. Off the bat, if I, had to, if I could only take one out from those two, I would take Devin Booker out. Why? Because obviously uh, Joel Embiid has more of a case than Devin Booker. First of all, Joel Embiid was second place in MVP voting. So, you know, obviously Nikola Jokic isn't going to win MVP and then not be on the first team All-NBA. So off the bat, you know, Joel Embiid gets punished, right? Obviously he goes to second team All-NBA, but we know he's a first team All-NBA player. No doubt about that. Uh, I guess Jason Tatum is debatable, you know, for first team All-NBA because he had a great year. You know, he did. He did have a great regular season as well. And so that's something that I understand. But like I said, I would just scrap it as a whole. But that's besides the point in this whole episode, right? I want to talk about, obviously, just just the amazing fact that back-to-back, we get three international first-team All-NBA selections. And it's looking like it's going to stay this way for at least the next couple of years because... Even if, let's say, Nikola Jokic, obviously they're going to keep the ballot the same next year, most likely, right? Two guards, a center, and two forwards. So I don't even need to look and tell you that Giannis is going to make first-team All-NBA. Luka Doncic is going to make first-team All-NBA. Either Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic are most likely going to make All-NBA, just from the, because of the center. The center kind of locks them in, right? I can't think of, of better centers than Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. You know, like if I had to choose a center, uh, I'm, I'm going to one of those guys before I think of anyone else. That's just me. Um, and so when you think about that, obviously Joel Embiid is also an international player. So regardless, even if Jokic doesn't make it, Embiid's going to get in there. So this is looking like three international players every year for the next couple of years, you know, because Giannis and Luka are locks. You know, because there's two guard slots and there's two forward slots. And Giannis, the kind of guy that does it on both ends and plays almost every game, right? This guy doesn't rest. He plays hard and he plays all the time. A player like that is going to get a lot of votes, you know? And obviously, Luka Doncic putting the Mavericks on his back all season long and in the postseason as well. So those are two locks. You know, if if you're a betting man, you should always bet those two to make first team all NBA. It's just it's just that easy to think about those two guys. And that's two international players off the bat. But anyways, um, you know, just a little tidbit. I just wanted to give you guys that. You know, it's just interesting to me how much basketball has grown and just how watchable uh non-NBA basketball has become. You know, I think that's really interesting. I think it's cool. I think it's I, I just think it's amazing. You know, I was looking at the rankings for the teams on FIBA.com, I found something that I was mind blown by, and I'm going to share it with you guys. So this is the list of the FIBA world rankings, you know, the world rankings for basketball by country. Now, obviously, USA is number one, you know, Spain is second, Australia third, France is fourth, Slovenia is fifth, and Serbia is sixth. I named Serbia because obviously Nikola Jokic, and then you have Argentina, Lithuania, you know, Giannis's team, which is Greece, and then, you know, the others all fall behind. So the, the only reason I bring this up is because, so if you guys didn't know, I'm actually, I'm half Venezuelan, and I'm half Colombian. Um, I was born 
in Miami, Florida, as I've said many times before on the pod. And so, you know, I've been here my whole life. But yeah, my, my dad's side of the family's Venezuelan. My mom's side of the family's Colombian. Now, why am I bringing this up? I'm looking at these world rankings. And by the way, Canada is 18th on the list. Now, Nick Nurse is the coach. They have like 11 NBA players on that Canadian roster. How are they ranked 18th? Not only are they ranked 18th, they're ranked under Venezuela in basketball. How is that possible? Uh, I messaged a cousin of mine, uh, you know, kind of asking him because he follows the international team much more. You know, I'm not a, I don't follow the international basketball team for Venezuela or anything like that. You know, it's really, really minor team, right? Like in terms of world rankings. So, you know, obviously he was born in Venezuela. He lived the majority of his life there. And, you know, he's going to follow that team much closer than I will. So, you know, he obviously cautioned me and told me, you know, you got to think about also, you know, who Canada has to play and which players were playing during their games. And I understand all that. But guys, I don't even think Venezuela has a single NBA player on their roster. Like, I don't think you guys understand how limited this country is in terms of resources let alone basketball resources, right? Like, like this, the, the whole country's in shambles, if you, if you weren't aware of that. Uh, Venezuela is just destroyed, right? Economically, uh, socially, just anything you can think of. It, the country is in shambles, right? I mean, you can't find food unless you're like super, super wealthy and things like that, right? So a country like that is ahead of Canada, who is a major basketball hub. A, a big sports hub. Uh, obviously, the economy is better than Venezuela's. You know, and then if we just look at it simplistically, right? Just, just basketball, right? Not, not politics, not country, just basketball. Canada has 11 NBA players on the roster. What is going on? What the hell is that all about? I have no idea, but I just wanted to let you guys know that, you know, I can't believe that Canada is ranked so low. Now, it could be that the America Cup uh, Canadian basketball roster is to blame for this uh, low ranking because obviously the FIBA World Cup qualifier team had all those NBA players on the roster. But then when you look at the, the America Cup roster, uh, let me read you the America Cup roster for Canada. I'm going to read you them by last names. <laughs> McIntosh, Morgan, Landry, Anthony Bennett, by the way, one of the... Uh, unfortunate draft picks of, 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 of NBA history, really. Definitely one of those players that didn't pan out in the NBA. Uh, Bell Haynes. Uh, this guy's last name is actually Scrub. <laughs> you know, just not, not any NBA players on this roster that I can really see on this Canadian roster. So clearly the America Cup Canada roster is completely different from the World Cup qualifiers. It's, it's very confusing for the casual fan. And frankly, it is confusing for the fan following these things because, you know, there's rosters for so many different things. And then obviously for the America Cup, uh, the roster for the U.S. is completely different from the roster that does the FIBA World Cup qualifiers. So uh, in any case, you know, I guess this could be the reason that Canada as a whole on the FIBA website is ranked 18th 
and obviously ranked one slot under Venezuela. But listen, I don't care. Even me knowing that, okay, I don't care if Canada puts their scrubs on a roster and plays them. There can't be an excuse for Venezuela to be ranked ahead of this of, of these guys, you know. Uh, now, I guess the argument is, well, hey, Vic, this is the best of Venezuela on the Venezuela national team. Whereas for the Canadian team, it's not the best of Canada um, for the AmeriCup roster. But I don't care. I don't care. When you're taking into consideration a country as a whole and the product that they produce in terms of basketball, never in a million years would I think Venezuela would be ahead of them. You know, so just one of those little things I wanted to share with you guys. And I want to move on to the last part of this episode because like I said, I wanted to keep this episode short and sweet. Um, and it's, you know, my first weekend check-in episode that I've done in some time. And anyways, you know, the Patrick Beverly trade, right? Acquiring Patrick Beverly. The Lakers adding a guy that brings energy, effort, experience, defense, above average, above league average three-point shooting, which by the way, a uh, quick fun fact before I get into the rest of this stuff. Did you guys know, and I did, I did the digging, I did the comparing as much as I could, uh, so I, you know, just to remain as accurate as possible. And so, did you guys know that Patrick Beverly, statistically, for his career, has the best three-point percentage on the team right now for the Lakers? Now, before you say Carmelo Anthony, for a career, he has a better three-point percentage for a career than Carmelo. Now, Car remember, Carmelo is not even on this roster anymore. So keep that in mind too. He's not even, you know, he's a free agent. And so that's something that, that should also be noted. So uh, now I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Patrick Beverly is a better shooter than some of these Lakers on the team because that's ridiculous. You know, the volume is a factor, you know, how many threes he actually takes and, you know, what the green light is for him to shoot him. So yes, all that is a factor, but all that standing, right? Nonetheless, the fact remains and it's the problem that I always talk about with these Lakers. Shooting, you know, just a streaky team, uh, a team that just can't seem to knock shots down. You know, just a team that's very streaky, you know, super cold nights, rare hot nights, but never any defense. And so this is a guy that above league average from three, he's going to defend. He's going to keep guys in check. He's going to bring that dog attitude every night. He is a perfect fit for the style that appears to be uh, for Darvin Ham, you know, a guy that's talking about toughness and grittiness and all that good stuff, right? Um, how does it clash with Russell Westbrook? I have no idea. But to me, I don't know. I think it's an indication of, you know, Russell Westbrook maybe not being on this team soon, you know, and maybe I'm overreacting, you know, I don't want to also uh, make it seem like they're not going to at least try this combination. Now, there's already like rumors going around that their plans to be a a lineup out there on the court of Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook. And the the defense for that is, well, these are two guys that can play, you know, on the perimeter and just be like energy pests on defense. Now, I have yet to see that from Russell Westbrook and from the, the crazy stories that we hear, you know, about Westbrook in the film room when they're when they're watching game tape and him not liking being called out 
and him kind of ignoring the game plan and feeling like he's being attacked in film room times. You know, I don't know how that's going to work out. And also from a shooting, from a spacing standpoint, you know, if Russ is going to continue to shoot the way he has shot, right, his whole career, which is not a good shooter by any means, Patrick Beverly, above league average three-point shooter, but not really like some kind of sharp shooting, you know, knockdown shooter kind of guy. You know, so you have these two guys out there and then Anthony Davis as well, you know, not being a great shooter either. Not really a threat, to be honest. Um, LeBron, you know, a little more consistent in that aspect. You know, LeBron, definitely someone you have to watch out there. You can't really leave LeBron open. But nonetheless, you know, uh, just thinking about that nucleus, like just that lineup out there, it just, it doesn't make sense from a spacing standpoint. And, you know, the only thing that seems to make sense is that one of the two guys is going to have to be out there while the other is on the bench. That's just my opinion. I don't like the idea of Russ and Pat Bev on the court together. Now, it would depend on who else is out there. Like if this is some kind of unit where it's Russ and Pat Bev and then Thomas Bryant, who's going to play center for these guys, you know, kind of like a, a get out and run and then give them like some shooters while LeBron and AD are resting. I can, I guess I can see that working out somewhat, but if we're talking about starting Pat Bev and Russ with LeBron and AD and whoever else the, the center is going to be, because we all know AD hates playing center, you know, whoever that center is going to be, I, I just don't know what that's going to be. Now, to talk about the trade itself, um, you know, obviously the Lakers give up Stanley Johnson and Taylor Horton Tucker. You know, there are two schools of thought, right? Like there's two types of people that are that are thinking this completely differently, right? There's a fan that believes that Taylor Horton Tucker being traded is a mistake and that he is a rising star and that he just hasn't been able to show his potential and now he's going to prove the Lakers wrong. That's one fan type. There's another fan type that believes Taylor Horton Tucker is a fake, you know, kind of flash in the pan, a guy that just, you know, just had some moments, but he's really not as good as people think that he is or that he's going to be. Now, I'm somewhere in the middle. I do believe that he has potential. I do. I do believe it because, you know, he is kind of lanky. He, he attacks the basket. He's got some nice finishing moves. The jumper is awful. <laughs> the shot is terrible, but to me, it's probably, I would say if I'm evaluating talent or if let's say I'm the Utah Jazz, right? And I'm taking in Taylor Horton Tucker. You can obviously bank on the fact that Taylor Horton Tucker just didn't get the ball, you know, didn't have opportunities, you know, and, and this is going to be more of a team where he's going to see some more chances. So you can kind of be positive when it comes to that, you know, and, and the Stanley Johnson part a lot of Laker fans are upset that the Lakers gave up Stanley Johnson in the trade, but guys, you know, Stanley Johnson was really good for us, but to be honest, there's a reason he's been around, you know, he's been moved around. He was really good for the Lakers, but he's no Patrick Beverly. You know, I I want to I I can't stress that enough. You know, I would much rather have Patrick Beverly than Taylor Horton Tucker doing nothing for the Lakers because he's just not a good fit for them at the moment. And, and, and then obviously Stanley Johnson, who was good, 
but clearly the Lakers had to give him up with Taylor Horton Tucker to get Pat Bev on the roster. So I would make that trade nine times out of 10 because of the situation I'm in right now. If I'm obviously a rebuilding team, like a lottery team, a bad team, then yeah, I'm not trading Taylor Horton Tucker and, 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 uh, and Stanley Johnson. You know what I'm saying? Because we're talking about a whole other scenario now, but we're talking about a team that needs to win right now. And while Stanley Johnson contributed to that, He's no Pat Bev, you know. That's all I wanted to say about that. So, yes, I am excited about the Patrick Beverly acquisition, but there's still a lot missing for these Lakers to be a contender. I still think that, you know, you have LeBron, you have Anthony Davis. If the role players show up, yes, it's technically a contending team, in my opinion. That's just me. You know, it is technically a contending team. Now, would I even think that they're going to get to the finals? I don't think so. You know, it, like even if the role players were on point, the role players they have right now, and then you have LeBron and AD, I just I just don't think that, you know, the Lakers aren't deep. And that's that's a big problem too. A lot of these teams in the Western Conference are really deep. And let's say the Lakers get to the finals. The Eastern Conference teams are deep, you know? And so... I just don't think the Lakers match up when it, when it's when it's depth for depth. I just don't see it. And that's a problem. You know it is. It is a problem because, you know, Darvin Ham comes into the press conferences and he tells us the same things that every coach says when they have LeBron on their team. Oh, we need to learn how to manage, you know, we have to be able to manage. We're going to we're going to make sure that LeBron is minimized throughout the regular season, we're going to manage his minutes properly so he's ready and geared up for the playoffs. It's always the same thing. And then LeBron ends up playing like every minute in the game. You know, Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but you know what I mean. He doesn't end up getting the rest that he needs because the Lakers are so bad without LeBron out there that it's just, it, it, you need him out there, you know? And then, and then, that's the problem again. You know, the coaches end up realizing, damn, you know, the, the roster isn't going to hold up without LeBron out there. So that's why LeBron ends up playing all these minutes. And so, you know, so I don't know. You know, I don't think it's sustainable. I also want to say that I still think that if LeBron is not out there playing, the, the biggest problem was that when LeBron would sit, I mean, nothing would happen out there without LeBron, you know, and, and that's a problem. That's a problem because LeBron is much older. He's 37 years old. He's going to be 38 uh, this year at the end of the year. And so we're going to run into the same problems as last season. You know, if, if, if we're not knocking down, if the Lakers aren't knocking down shots and so far we still don't have the defensive pieces, you know, yes, Anthony Davis, obviously the best defender on the roster, but is Anthony Davis going to play? Is he going to play basketball games? Is he going to do his job? Or is he going to keep getting hurt every time he goes up for a rebound or every time he gets bumped or every time he dunks the ball, his hand hurts? It's just like there's always something with this guy, you know? And let me tell you guys something right now. If Anthony Davis has another injury, just an injury-riddled season, he's gone. You know, they're, they're going to move him. I don't think that the franchise is going to continue to live under this cloud of, okay, if we just get AD healthy, we're going to be a contender. You can't bank on that anymore if Anthony Davis has another season like that. 
you know, a, a guy that has never been healthy. And, you know, it's if your franchise, if the if, if your championship run is banking on this guy and he fails again to stay healthy, I think he's going to be gone, you know, and potentially could be a blow up in the making. You know, who knows? Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. This is the All Things Basketball podcast. As always, I'm your host, Vic Lopez, and I'll catch you guys on the next one. Bye.